Today on Acoustic Alternatives, we are doing another session from Grove Studios, who are great hosts for me and have been for the entire length of this podcast. And again, I will remind those who are new to the podcast, maybe that's not a reminder if you knew, I suppose, that without Grove Studios, I would not be doing a podcast. There would be no me doing this. It was a, a loss of a radio job that I had for nearly 15 years and a sympathetic couple of folks who own this place who said, we want you doing your thing that you love. And so mm. I said, okay, fine. I, I acquiesced to maybe the world does need another music-based podcast and here it is so Grove Studios in Ypsilanti previously used by my guest Annie Bacon is here today oh yeah this place is great when have you used this as a spot for your uh, for your own self I mean the first time I used it was back in 2019 getting ready for my big album release and um big yeah. album release for this album which we'll Nothing put in the camera the same I know which is it's crazy that that was already four years ago it's just like it both feels like 18 lives ago and also like 10 minutes ago you know we i think time has warped for everybody it has been yeah. i think there's two to three years of life that doesn't seem to really exist yeah and our life kind of like my personal we had a series of deaths that happened right before like in between me releasing the album and the pandemic starting we had three people die in our lives and um so it yeah time is warped <laughs> well, I'm glad to welcome you to the podcast. Currently, you're Ann Arbor-based. We will get into some of your back history and where else you've been. Yeah. Uh, there have been three albums and three EPs and a single since you made your, your musical debut, and you brought a guitar with you. I did. I think it's good to start with the song. Okay. What song would you like song. to start with? Um, I think I'll start with um, one of my newer songs. Okay. It's called When Will I Learn. When Will You Learn? I, that is the question. Okay. Maybe <laughs> we'll learn during the song when you will learn. Any bacon on acoustic alternatives. You say you'll be different now Cause you've changed, you can see it now That you will burn like you always do you never learn, you never do But okay, I'll try again I'll lean in, give you a chance Like you always do I never learn I never do You can Change what you are You're a dying Star One step Closer to you And the heat Bears down I want to run like I always do I want to run I wanna run 
from the heat of your love when will I learn when will I learn nice classic sounding music there from Annie Bacon on Acoustic Alternatives uh, one of the songs that has yet to be released correct? yet to from be released from a forthcoming album I am working on two different albums right now so this is from one of them but this is not the one that will come out first. <laughs> <laughs> just to tease people. Yeah. <laughs> that's mean. But oh, no. sorry. No, that's okay. I know. I was kidding. thinking, I was like, you know, maybe I should put it on both of them. Because the other one is like, actually, um, like a, a real departure from my sound. That, that, the song that that is on, the album that that's on, I'm sorry. Um, it's sort of like has a lot of electronic influence on it. So it's like electro folk. Hmm. Um, but that song, I feel like could kind of live on both of the albums. So I'm like, maybe I should just have two versions I of it. I think that would be okay. I like that version and I don't know the other version, right. but I mean, <laughs> I, I can kind of imagine it with some electro stuff in yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Abigail Stauffer did a bit of that on one of her albums where she incorporated some electro stuff and it was oh, really nice. cool. Um, yeah. A duet that she did with Chris Dupont that has this like very other world. That. Yeah, you do. It's from a few albums ago. But cool. We could talk about that another time because okay. this is about you. It's about me. <laughs> so uh, backstory for you. Mm-hmm. You started in New England. Yeah. So take me on a journey from New England to California to Michigan. Tell okay. Me, tell me a little bit about the young you. A young, wow. What a question. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. So first of all, I was born in Maine, but then right after I was born, my parents left. Uh, my father was in, um, he went he was in school when I was born and then he was going to grad school in um, upstate New York. And so my first five years, we kind of bounced around a bunch of places, but ended up back in Maine. So that's where I was raised uh, my, my childhood. Um, But when people ask me, where did you grow up? I'm like, well, it depends on how you define grow up. (laughs) The formative years, I think is what people mean. Like, where did you become you? Because when you're zero to five, you're a little bit you, but you don't really become you until you're 11, 12, 13, right? Well, I kind of feel like I became me in California. Okay. And I didn't move there until I was 22. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to school in upstate New York, actually the same town that my dad went to grad school in different school, um, Ithaca, New York. And then, um, after college, I had a friend who was moving to the Bay Area, and she wanted me to come with her, but I was like, I can't make plans. I got to be free. <laughs> and then about a week before graduation, um, my grandfather, who had been dead about 10 years at that point, came to me in the dream, and he said, go to California. And uh, it was one of those kinds of dreams that you don't say no to. <laughs> you can't ignore that. <laughs> no one else was telling you that. Yeah. And... Um, I had never even been there, hmm. and I moved there with like seventy-five dollars and a credit card and a car. I mean, it's just so dumb in retrospect, kind you know. Of. Yeah, <laughs> I would have never done that. Yeah, it was pretty dumb, but it was great too. You know, I moved there with my best friend in the world, and we just, it, yeah, a beautiful life ensued. So I was out there for seventeen years. Hmm. But the thing I want to tell you about a young me is a memory that actually popped up recently. Um, So my dad was one of the people who passed away not long after the album came out. And um, this really, you know, when, uh, so it took about 30 seconds into this podcast before I started talking about death. And that's like, (laughs) you know, maybe. consumed you lately. That's been a big part of my life. And um, uh, so anyway, uh, one of the gifts that can kind of pop up out of nowhere after someone dies, as you probably know, is like when you're suddenly a memory comes from nowhere and you're like, oh, yeah. And it's just such a treasure. And I had this one the other day of being probably, I don't know, eight or nine. 
and um, I'm one of four kids, and we had this like this Aries K, this god awful ugly car, but it's like what we had, and it was like a bucket seat in the front or like a bench seat in the front and a bench in the back. So my parents and my baby sister were up front, right? So that sets your time. That sounds safe. (laughs) (laughs) So the baby sister, like not even in a car seat, um, uh, and then the three, the other three kids were in the back, and I remember everybody passed out we were driving down to Rhode Island everyone passed out and I sang the entire two hours and my dad never turned on the radio he he was like never put on his audio book he never said a word he just let me my little head tipped against the window just singing song after song one after the other and like I think about that as a parent now the kind of patience that it takes to just like yeah. let your kid just do that. Be that yeah. yeah, just just such a sweet memory. So that was that's that's beautiful. Yeah. What kind of stuff were you singing then? Who knows? God. I hope you years, do because I was nine there. years old. Um, I probably. I mean, so I come from like a big Irish family, and there was a lot of you know. Um, a lot of songs like we were sailing along on moonlight bay on moonlight bay remember those ones mm-hmm. yeah so probably that kind of stuff um because i don't think i think that was like before new kids on the block <laughs> invaded my consciousness so <laughs> something good happened at least in your life yeah i'm no. <laughs> no, just kidding um do you remember who it was that made you want to sing and or play the guitar and or write songs? Oh, great questions. So the Big Irish Family is who made me want to sing. Um, and specifically, you know, it was like the, the magical experience of being in a room full of, you know, 50 people, 60, 70 people, however many were gathered at that time. And, um, and somebody would just like call out like number 34 and the whole room would just erupt into a song and like three part harmonies or four part harmonies. And like, you know, not everybody had a good voice, but it didn't matter. It was just like this, just this beautiful thing of people singing together in the harmony. So that's, that's where my love of singing came from for sure. Um, playing the guitar was a little, I'm, I love my guitar, no disrespect. It can't hear you. Oh, wait a minute. But I I play the guitar because it is the easiest tool to, you know, the vehicle for the songs. Yeah. Um, but I really, um, I used to be a bass player, and that I really love that instrument and hope at some point in my life I can kind of come back to that. Um, and that I really, it was... Um, I don't play anything like Les Claypool, but that's sort of who got me really interested in the bass. Because <laughs> mm, he's a damn good bass player. Yeah, yeah. And then like Edgar Meyer, you know, people who can do things like, like I don't know if you've ever heard. So Edgar Meyer, you know who, yeah, mm-hmm. classical mm-hmm. Um, bassist. He actually did the Bach cello suites. With Chris Teeley, right? Uh, he did it by himself on upright bass. Okay. And um, so just this really incredible thing of being able to, do you know the the bass is just such an incredible instrument and Mm -hmm. I I I mostly have played electric bass I did play upright for a little while before I got pregnant and then it got like I was huge when I was pregnant I mean it was like it was huge and I I couldn't even reach (laughs) I mean I literally couldn't reach the neck of the bass anymore so um and then I had to give it back but anyway so bass is really the instrument that I fell in love with first um but it's hard to uh, play good bass lines 
and sing lead for me and for a lot of people. Getty Lee is an exception. Yeah. And, um, Unless too. yeah. And, um, the, who's the rush guy? He can do it. Getty Lee. <laughs> oh, Getty Lee. That's what you said. I thought you said Kathy. No, Getty, no, not Kathy Lee Gifford. No, that would no, be weird. I know, I no, like, Getty like, Lee Kathy, from Rush. Okay, I'll have to look up who that is. <laughs> Getty Lee can do it. Les Claypool can do it. St- you know, Sting does it. Yeah. But he plays very simple bass lines, and mm. that's cool. But um, I would rather have a really good bass player in my band who can play beautiful bass lines. And, um, McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, or my friend Paul DeFiglia, who plays bass in um, a bunch of this album and is um, who I'm recording with when I go down to record the album that that song's not on. Very good. Um, but yeah, who was my songwriting? Um, who made me fall in love with songwriting was your other question, right? Yes. So my, the first record that I bought with my own money was Tom Petty, uh, Wildflowers which I really loved. But I think my first real love of songs was Cat Stevens. Mm. And um, a friend, he was like on a mixtape, of course, mm-hmm. that somebody made. And I was like, who's that? And um, yeah, Father and Son was the song. And that, I mean, it's just a masterful song. Yeah, I don't think I, you need me to say more about no, that. No, no, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> so while you were developing your young self in high school, did you get yourself involved in like musicals or were you just a student? Yeah, yeah I did lots. I did musicals. I um, I was in a band called Venus oh. and we had some like really sick three-part harmonies <laughs> and um, like beauty, like we really played with like dissonance and um, yeah, we were... We like in retrospect, I'm like really impressed by us. I wish we had a recording. some recordings. <laughs> there was a recording. We oh. went into a studio, but I am like, because I found a like piece of paper from the guy who we recorded with. He wrote us this letter afterwards. I am just like, I guess we're on a podcast, so it's okay if I'm rambling, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, I found recently this letter from him from when we were in high school, thanking us for being a good influence on his daughter. And um, I didn't even remember that we had gone into a studio. <laughs> so I was like, Uh-oh. oh, who has those recordings? <laughs> anyway, but that was v- Venus, my friends Nicole and Stephanie. And um, yeah, I was in all the musicals. And I thought that musicals was going to be my path in my life. Um, and then, you know, uh, being the third of four kids, when it was time to go to college, I basically had to just go wherever they gave me the most you know, money. (laughs) So, um, I got into Ithaca college and they were like, you didn't get into our musical theater program because like eight people get into that. Uh, but pick another major and you can come here and we'll give you a bunch of grants. And, um, so I picked politics, which seemed close, you know, acting politics is what I was about politics as a musician. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it actually ended up being amazing because it taught me how to think Hmm. and how to learn. And uh, gave me so much to write about. Um, so rather than just like learning how to pretend to be somebody else, I learned how to be myself and how to um, connect more deeply to humans. And so that was really my angle with politics was like a study of like human connections and human power. And yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, as I was researching and listening and reading other interviews that have been done with you, mm-hmm. I found the the musical 
soft rock Tom Waits Pink Floyd Alt J is part of your like yeah that's kind of a weird arc I mean yeah, Tom Waits totally. could almost be almost be soft rock depending on what you're thinking of Tom but I mean you know that's that is kind of like, though if you listen to all of these three CDs which uh-huh. is what I've been having in my car for the last couple of weeks it's you don't necessarily hear those things but you do hear a variety of sounds like I just described so yeah Today, this one is a little bit more what you were doing a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, more that singer-songwriter where we kind of have this beautiful scene in Michigan, as you've discovered since you moved here. Yes. Uh, it fits neatly into that. I, I'm not sure that these neatly fit into the singer-songwriter scene. There's you know, a little bit more rock on this one. This one has yeah. some French singing on it. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I'm not sure I completely understand who Annie Bacon is until... I mean, maybe you're you're still trying to define yourself as well as you get farther into your recording career. Yes. I mean, first of all, thank you for saying that because I really appreciate that it means that you really have like listened to the music because you hear the seeking that's happening mm-hmm. and the, the shifting and the growing. And yeah. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I heard it said once, and I think um, it's very true for me, that uh, one of the things that's really frustrating about being a new artist is that your taste is like here and your skills are like here. <laughs> and so your whole career, you're just trying to get your skills to the place that match your like vision. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's like what's been happening um, all along. And um always trying to um, find ways to really bring the vision out of my head. And so each of these is like an opportunity, but it also represents a different set of collaborations. Um, But... um, Recorded in California, recorded in Michigan, or also recorded in California? That one was actually recorded in a bunch of different places. One song was done here in Michigan, um, but seven of them were in Nashville, and a couple of them were in California... Um, a couple of them were kind of like sending back and forth <laughs> so in multiple places. But yeah, I think that um, I have, I'm a much better songwriter now than I have been. And I hope I never stop saying that. I hope that for my, the rest of my life, I'm constantly saying I'm the best songwriter I've ever been. I think of it like a job. If you get yeah. farther into your job, 15 years into your job, you should be better at it. You should it. be better. Because if, yeah. you, if your best time was 15 years ago, yeah. well, maybe it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, maybe, yeah, the like the, the, the moment has, has kind of shifted. It's a little different with songwriting because that requires creativity and not stealing other people's ideas. <laughs> Going to work like I do, you know, I just have to get, I have to practice what I do to get better on all the things I do. Yeah. For you, it's practice, but you're also honing your craft, right? You're, yeah, but part of the way you hone your craft is you steal from other people. <laughs> So that's Without the funny thing, yeah. right, is like you learn how to like write like other people and practice. And one of the ways, you know, playing covers is a great way to do that because you're like, oh, you know, like one, you know, a thing that I'm obsessed with on this album is the, um, you know, in the major key, the the four chord is, is you know, let's say we're playing in, in C. This is, We're going to get nerdy for just a second. <laughs> I won't go too deep. It's okay. So if we're playing in the key of C, the fourth chord is a um, going to be a, a F major. But something the Beatles did a ton that I learned from playing their songs is that they play that F major, and then right after it, they play an F minor. And it has this really kind of like, ugh, kind of twisty feel <laughs> that like it takes you out of the key for a second in this way that just feels really nice. And um and so, you know, playing their songs, I like learned that trick from them. And then I put it in 
most of the songs in this album. <laughs> but you can't tell you're stealing from the Beatles. Yeah, it's it because like first you steal and then you let it influence you. So, but I do have I do have a very wide palette of music that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. I love a lot of pop music. I love classical music. Um, Come and look at my collection in my house. It's pretty yes. wide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much good music. There's so much good music. I could listen to something new every day and never get caught up. Yes. I've been like really a little bit obsessed lately with um, Bad Bunny. Okay. Um, he has an album, Puerto Rican artist, amazing pop musician who like I listen to some of his older stuff and it's like, it's okay. It's good. It's got a little bit. It's just like a little bit more. It feels like factory pop feel. But he has an album called, an, I'm going to butcher this. Un verano senti. I'm a French speaker. That's Spanish. <laughs> yeah. um, a summer without you, but it is really like exquisite the way that it's composed and his singing style. Like there's a lot of skill that goes into, you know, what he's doing. And I, um, anyway, there's something to learn from everything great. There you go. Yeah. This seems like a good time to throw in another song. Okay. There's a guitar over Let's there. Let's do it. Well, now I want to play a song that has that um, that major to minor shift in it. So let me... That also shifts the idea of what songs you were playing. <laughs> yeah. You'd come in with a couple of ideas. And yeah, I'm going to just... Uh, this is very much how I function. Go too. for it. Like, and we could we can alter the three to four as well if you yeah, want. Yeah, maybe I'll do four. Okay. What song so, are you singing? Tell me about. This is one from that album. And it's called Gallatin Pike. Okay, hold on. I, want, I need my like foot on the floor. Driving Gallatin Pike In the middle of the night I don't know which way to turn Pawn shop sandwich <laughs> Take two oh, The worst thing that can happen when you're playing a song is that you start thinking Uh-oh Thinking is the death of What were you thinking about? I was, I was thinking if I, if I was going to remember the lyrics and then thinking about whether I would remember them made me forget them. Start, okay. start at the beginning. There we go. Driving Gallatin Pike in the middle of the night I don't know which way to turn Pawn shops and strip malls a mirror of my I think of the forests I burned, the hearts I've paved over, the men that I have spurned, an impossible daylight, foots parking lots where I'm haunted by so many lessons on the Me are 
spitting tires get laid For the hearts I paved over Where concrete lays claim And tomorrow's reflected on both sides from my eyes In the twisting arms of the neon My guest today on Acoustic Alternatives, Annie Bacon, a song you can find on her latest full-length record, Nothing Stays the Same, Gallatin Pike. And we are at Grove Studios. Annie's been here before. I've been here quite a few times. This is the 61st podcast recorded here, I believe. Wow. And uh, they have been excellent hosts, as I mentioned in the mm-hmm. beginning. And we do like to tell people uh, their motto is get out of the garage and get into the studio. So mm-hmm. if you have like a band or uh, maybe you're a DJ, because there's DJ rooms here as well. I don't think you know that, but... If you want to like practice your mixing skills and blast it as loud as you want, Maybe. no one cares here. It's a warehouse district. Uh, so, you know, it's a place to consider if you're in one of those situations, a band or a podcaster like myself, where you can uh, put yourself in a studio and not worry about, uh, oh, I don't have any microphones. Yes, you do. You have four to pick from right here. Actually, there's one I kind of want to do on the road, but I don't have any microphones. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of stuck going, can I pull that one off? <laughs> can I find a way to get a, an, a Scottish uh, artist who's playing a house concert this Friday into the studio on a day I don't really have time to do it? So this, uh. this would be the best place to do it. Grove Studios. Look them up. Anyway. Yeah, actually, and I I will also pitch out to anyone who's an artist who's listening that they have tons of the gear here that you need, too. So, yeah. like, you bring your band in. They don't need to bring amps. You've, they've got great guitar amps. Kit. They've got, yeah, they got <laughs> drum kits. They've got keyboards. They've yeah. got, you can uh, plug in and record yourself. There's You can plug in and um, do video recording. You can do live streaming. Yeah. I mean, it's really just an incredible place. And it's, like, super cheap. 
hourly rate. It is pretty super cheap. Open 24 hours, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. 24-7 keypad operation. So, yes. Uh, so, at some point during the six, Yeah. At some point during the 61 episodes, I have had... Uh, for a total of 12 of those, I have had a sponsor, and that has helped pay for some of the expenses. However, now, mm-hmm. uh, just recently, one of my friends has really been pushing me for a year or so to try Patreon. So there is a Patreon page now for Acoustic Alternatives. I will have a link on this video. Uh, if you search my com Acoustic Alternatives page, you'll see the link to Patreon there as well. So if you feel like what I do is worth something to you as a listener, whether you're watching or listening, the audio or the video... And you want to support three, five, and ten dollar levels exists. There are bonuses for people at the five and ten dollar level. You get to hear things that I can't tell you what they are, but there's some cool <laughs> things that I've done in my past that you might be interested in hearing about. Mm. So anyway, back to you. Sorry about that. No, that's uh, great. So nine years, ten years before you released this album, you released your yeah. first EP mm-hmm. uh, way back when you were living in California. But then mm-hmm. eventually you found your way to Michigan mm-hmm. and put this one out while you were living here. What mm-hmm. brought you to Michigan, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so um, my uh, partner at the time, uh, he grew up in the area. So um, uh, we had to leave San Francisco for m- multiple reasons. It's and, expensive uh, for one. That was a big one. Yep. Um, and he, so we, he was looking for jobs around here and, um, so we could be close to his family mm-hmm. and, um, and that worked out and we moved here and, you know, it's been so great for, uh, our kid who's sitting right over there right now. Shh. Yeah. Don't tell. Um, but it's, uh, it's just, it's a, an amazing town to live in. I, so living in the city with a little kid, you know, their playtime is just always, observed <laughs> you have to go to the playground for 45 minutes or whatever and um and then there's also we lived in the mission district which is one of my favorite places on earth but with a little kid there sort of had to be this distinction of like there's good dirt and there's bad dirt <laughs> you know <laughs> you can't play in the bad dirt and so when we moved to michigan like in that first couple of days even i remember him looking at me he was i think six when we moved here and um and he looked at me and he's like, mommy, is it good dirt or bad dirt? <laughs> and I was like, honey, it's all good dirt now. Yes. It's all good dirt. So It's a fabulous place. Yeah. I was wearing my Support Michigan Music shirt at nice. a Cleveland Indians game okay. not so long ago. And some kid said, hey, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, Michigan sucks. Like, he was doing the Ohio State Michigan thing. But I wasn't wearing any like U of M or MSU. Yeah. They're like, dude, you have, have you been to Michigan? Because yeah. you're missing out. So now that you've been that part of funny t- part. it is you've been yeah. part of two different music scenes. You've been part of one in California, one in uh-huh. Michigan. Yeah. And I'm sure they both have their their things, but maybe yeah. compare them for me. So as I only yeah. know this one. Well, every other Michigan every other music scene is terrible and this one's great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I like hearing that. I love the music scene. I know you've heard me and I think you teed this up because you probably have like read me talking about how much Maybe. Yeah. I had no idea. When we were coming here in my head. I was like, I'll be a drive to Nashville, a day drive to Nashville. So I won't have to fly. That'll be the center of my musical life. I had absolutely no idea what an amazing scene there was here. Um, and I want to shout out Annie Caps, um, dear friend, um, previous podcast guest. Of course. I love <laughs> it. Um, because like a month after I moved to town, I was over at, um, big sky, big blue sky, big, big sky. Big sky. Yeah. And um, Jeff was working, mm-hmm. and um, he, I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm kind of new here. Uh, is there, you know, can you? Is there anybody I should know? You, like, tell me about the scene." And he was like, "Oh, geez, you know, scratched his head. Like, I don't really know." And he had one name for me, one name, and that was Annie Caps. 
And I was like, man, in retrospect of all the possible people, you know, that Annie Caps is like the center of the musical universe. (laughs) And um, I messaged her on Facebook and she was like, I was like, can I take you out for a beverage? And she was like, hell yes. And we met up and we talked for two hours, you know, and then she's just like, you know, I'm at Folk Alliance with her and she's like, meet this person, meet this person, meet this person. So she really was uh, like, um, I don't know, what's the right word? She opened the she's door. She's a connector. She's a, yeah. she's a, yeah. Incredibly generous. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I, um, ended up, uh, going to a great open mic at Ghost Light in, um, Detroit mm-hmm. for a bunch of months before the pandemic. And, um, Joe Sarah Pear, Michelle Held, um, Audra Kubat, that, you know, Ryan Dillaha, um, they all were, you know, stalwarts down there. Mm-hmm. And Mike Ward, um, sweetest just guy. the <laughs> sweetest guy. Um, and actually, I met Mike in a different way through somebody. Anyway, that's we had it. We had an, another connection. So we were fated to meet, <laughs> uh, which is great because he's one of my favorites. But yeah, I've just been, I think one of the things about the scene that I love here is that it's incredibly supportive. Yes. It's not very competitive. Yeah. It's more like, Hey, how can I help you? How can I help you? How can I show up for you? How and like, and like people just sitting in the front row at each other's shows being like, you got this, you know, just so much love and support. And, and at the same time, a like total nerd out on craft. People love songs here. And, um, so it's not just like blind support. It's also like, let's like, you know, let's be better songwriters together. And, um, take that Nashville. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so the Bay area and Nashville, both, I think they both have many things about them that are fabulous and amazing and wonderful. Um, but yeah, definitely like people are trying to get famous and that's their number one priority. And so I think that probably it makes a lot of sense to get there when you feel like your craft is where you want it to be and you're ready to like present, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just love songs. I love writing. I'm a writer before everything else. Um, and so coming to a place where there were other people who loved, the actual craft of songwriting as much as I did was I, it's a dream come true and I just feel so lucky. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that kind of leads into one of the things I wanted to ask you about the the name of your band Mm -hmm. is her ocean. And I thought to myself, (laughs) wonder what that means. And my, my hypothesis is that it's an ocean of people, but you've not spelled it as ocean. Yeah. Did I get it right? You totally got it right. High five to me. Yeah. Wait. High five across the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So originally when I imagined it, it was like the phonetic spelling. So it was going to be O dash S H and then like the schwa and then an N, but there's no keyboard shortcut for a schwa. (laughs) And which is the upside down E. And so every time I made a show poster, I had to take a little picture of an E and flip it. And I was like, okay, that's done. (laughs) I'm not doing that. It also has she in the middle. Oh, oh, she and she. Okay. Not that all your band members are women, but if they were, that would also work. That would be them. amazing. I Yeah. I mean, I don't want to throw out any one of the amazing men who have played on these, but no. someday I hope I have an all-female band. That would be great. Yeah, it would. Um, one of the reasons I asked you about whether you were involved in musicals as mm-hmm. a high school student is because you yourself have written an opera, and 
the folk opera in 2011. Uh-huh. Uh, before that, were you familiar with Jay Steelstra from the Michigan music scene's North Country Opera? I was not. And I, so I wrote my folk opera actually in 2008. Okay. Um, and I um, have also written a musical recently. I know. Oh, we're getting there. Yes, okay. we are. Um, yeah, so the folk opera, that was like a total uh, moment of um, hubris. I thought I was inventing <laughs> folk operas, which is really embarrassing to admit no, at this point. No, not at all, because the first person who does it thinks you're the first person who yeah, does it. Yeah, well, I also like had never played the ukulele. I think it was like December, I played a ukulele for the first time, and then in January, I left on my trip, and I was like, I'm going to write a folk opera on the ukulele while I'm on my journey. And, uh, and I did, to my credit, but, you know, um, I look back and I'm like, wow, there's really, you know, there was a lot of hubris. <laughs> did you go to the, re, uh, when they redid the North Country Opera at the Ark? I, they were all sold out by uh, the time I heard about it. I missed it. Mm, I'm so sad. It was so good. <laughs> I, I don't know the original, so I, mean, I went okay. because, oh, my friends are in it. Yeah. I see Rochelle's in it and Brad's in it. Okay, oh I have God, to go. I, I have to go. I love to be there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of mutual friends, Kyle yeah. Rashi and you worked on The Keeper. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, The Keeper is, yeah, we wrote this musical about the White Shoal Lighthouse, which is a real lighthouse. is off the um, coast of Lake Michigan, uh, about seven miles off the coast. So it's like an isolated, you know, crib lighthouse, they were called, built on these like concrete cribs. And um, Kyle had this idea, and he knew I had written a folk opera, so I think that's why he kind of threw it at me. But um when he uh, mentioned it to me, um, it was like a poltergeist. And it was like, I, so I also grew up in a town where there was a lighthouse that had a very strong presence. I grew up on the ocean. And um, so I've always had a love of lighthouses kind of, you know, in my subconscious. And I was just coming right off of writing my first draft of a novel that I'm working on. And um, and he's like, you know, I, I can do the music, but like I need help with writing the actual like, scenes in the book and that kind of stuff and I was like here's that hubris again well I'm a writer I can write and um and I literally went back to we were at the folk alliance conference I went back to my room and I wrote like eight pages of his story I named his characters (laughs) this was like an hour after he mentioned the idea to me for the first time but but it was like in you know in both cases I think there's something that happens like I you know it's just this like you feel that you just get moved by something. And it's like, if you show up to that moment, um, then it just kind of like, you know, happens. And I'm very grateful and lucky that he wasn't like, like, who, what did you just do? (laughs) Like back off, you know? Um, And so, yeah, that was it. It was just like, and then we were writing a musical. And, um, and so that was the end of October. By the end of December, we had our first draft, 30 songs, two-hour musical, full libretto. And, and you I know. missed the performance at Trinity House, but yes, uh, I'm, I'm aware of it. That was a very special night. <laughs> I, I can't be everywhere. I want of to be course. places that I can't be, and that of was course. one of them. It was very special for us, I think, because the audience was just so generous and loving. And um, they laughed at all our jokes, mm-hmm. and they cried at our brokenhearted moments and like, you know, an audience doesn't, they don't have to do that. And they just really open their heart to what we made, which was just, just an incredible gift. So yeah. it's out there, it's done, but are you workshopping it? Are you planning on like trying to push it into theaters? What do you have yeah, any time to work on anything like that with your busy life? <laughs> yeah, I know there's a lot going on. Yeah. So, um, we did a bunch of workshops. We did uh, four, four or five workshops kind of in the, um, winter into the spring, 
um, and then have been kind of taking a break. But yeah, the next step would be to um, be pitching it to theaters. And um, we have, you know, some people have generously stepped up to make some connections. So okay. that is what happens next. And I, on what timeline, I don't know. So I might get to see it at some point. I hope so. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Well, it's uh, been a very prolific period for you. If you've got that, yeah, you've got two albums coming out, and you also mentioned the book that you're working yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, seriously, how do you find time? Yeah. Because I'm looking to my right and your left, and I'm going, man, it must take up some time, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, I was very lucky that in 2022, um, I, uh, my now ex then partner um supported me um taking a year off of other work and um so i had a year to really kind of focus on writing the book that was what i did um and the musical in that uh time so that really helped when it was like my job but the honest other answer is that i don't sleep a lot oh yeah <laughs> doesn't show you yeah. got a sparkly smile and beautiful <laughs> eyes and I, I would think you'd be like well oh. it's one of the gifts of parenthood actually is that you learn how to function on like not that much sleep and um you know like I remember going back to work with a you know 10 week old or 12 week old and I was sleeping in like two hour spurts still and I had to like be like present at my job for like you know community meetings and um yeah, it just kind of teaches you that you're capable of more than you thought you might have been capable of. So my motto lately has been, what else can I do? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you're doing too much already, but <laughs> it's on you. Uh, what is the novel about? The novel is about motherhood and war. Um, it is uh, a sort of intertwining narrative of a young Iraq war veteran recently returned from his second deployment. So that story takes place in 2009. Um, and h right before he left on deployment, his, um, his mother died. So that's like beginning of the book. I'm not giving anything away there. But um, it's really a story about grief and learning how to process the loss of a parent, which I was going through at the same time as I was writing this book. Um, but in the context of also having this tremendous, the tremendous burden of um, having fought um, a war, and um, uh, which also, you know, has um, some not the war part, but the experience for him also has some positive. So anyway, but intertwined with that is the story of his mother um, and her story of motherhood, and um, yeah, motherhood and war. Is it done? I just finished my second draft, which was. Um, I'm, which is really feels great. Um, so I'm at the point now where I've got a sort of second round of readers, um, who are going to give me some feedback and then I'm going to start pitching it to, um, agents. Well, good luck. Yeah. Thank That's you. That's exciting. Yeah. So music, writing, yeah. mother, mm -hmm. is writing what you do as a day job as well? Um, like, I, do have a day job? I do have a day job. I have two part-time day jobs. Okay. Yeah. And a falling child. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder what the noises are. Yeah. I have. Jeez, um, Obed. <laughs> He's okay. I have uh, uh, two part time day jobs. One of them, I um, help a friend run her business. And the other one, I work for a group called the Chamber of Mothers, which mm -hmm. is an amazing nonpartisan uh, nonprofit that's advocating for maternal health and childcare and uh, paid leave for, for families. So I'm a community manager and I kind of like um, help uh, run their social media that's, stuff. 
There you go. Yeah. This would be another time I either say, do we want to do three or four songs? Does okay. it change my next, changes my next question? Okay, okay. Do you um, want to do, if you want to do three, I know what the next song is. If you want to do four, we'll save that for the end, I guess. Okay, let's do three. No, let's do four, sorry. Okay, so play four another two. song for me. Play the new song, okay. Or new, another song, whatever song you want. Yeah, let's do the new one. The new one, all right. Well, as you're getting your guitar on your lap, I'm going to mention there's a Blind Peak show with a full yes. band on August 18th, which is... I guess largely the reason you decided to go, hey, you know, this would be a great time. Oh, <laughs> okay, because we talked about uh, eventually having you on anyway. Uh, so Blind Pig Show is August the 18th. This uh, podcast should be available for before and after then. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a full band. Who is in the band? So Faye Burns is going to play oh, guitar with nice. me, which is so exciting. Um, and Mark Hugger, another uh, guy who's played in a million bands around, um, is he's playing bass. And then my old bandmates one of whom is still in California and one of whom is in Austin now, are flying in. So Omar Cuellar uh, is going to play drums with me and uh, Tal Ariel is going to play um, keys. Okay. And they're two of my dearest friends in you know, existence, so it's very exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm also releasing this song next week. And um, speaking of death, this song is like... Excuse me. This is really a, um, a song about grief. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't like to say too much about what a song's about. I guess people can kind of have their own their own thing about it. But um, the next album uh, that this one is going to be on is, um, it's a lot of songs about loss. And, I, you know, there was a lot lost, and not just me. We all lost a lot. Um, so it's sort of through my eyes of that loss, but um, hopefully touching on sort of a more universal experience that we have. Um, uh, but this, this, is, this is a grief song. I'm not ready to write a song about you So write about your bench On Robert Dollar hiking trail How I wound the roads of San Rafael Without water and forgetting the California heat when the fog is still at bay. I'll write about the dust kicking clouds around my face. And the man's in need of trees, grown scrubby in the drought. How I whisper to the radio tower. I'll trade my breath for an easy way out. But the California heat pushed its weight on me, and the bench came into view, and the fox did too. He hopped the path in front of me, and he hid behind a cottonwood tree. So I started making plans for fending off an attack that never came an opportunity for rage the california heat when the fog is still at bay i wish you weren't dead but it is that way but i didn't feel you it was just a bench with a beautiful view
Beautiful song. So keep the guitar handy. California Happy. Heat. Annie yeah. Bacon is the guest today on Acoustic Alternatives and a song from a forthcoming album. Two albums coming out. It'll be on one of the two. Yeah, and that actually that song comes out next week. Oh, well, there I'm you releasing go. that one next week. Very good. Yeah. Um, that song and songs from this album makes me mm-hmm. wonder how... I imagine you're a lyricist first before music. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to match the music with the mood of the lyric? Mm, great question. There's a word for that. Do you know the word for I this? Don't. It's called prosody. That's a real and word? Isn't that a great word? Can I play that in Scrabble? Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> can. Prosody. So that is when the music matches the like what the song is about. And I think <clears throat> for a long time, and you probably can sense this from because you have listened. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, I called my songs uh, sad songs in the major key. <laughs> So they were sad because I just, you know, I'm Irish. I write sad songs. That's just what what I'm interested in. That's what you have going on in your life too. Right. (laughs) But they, um, but the songs kind of don't always feel sad. They feel a little upbeat or or happy or like, what you know, you could just kind of tune out the lyrics and then enjoy the song and bop along. And, uh, but um, with this, with this new album that I'm going to be recording in September that this song is on, um, that that has changed. And this these are going to be sad songs that sound sad. And um, part of that has been on purpose and like a desired, you know, I, I, I want to just be in the experience. And part of that has been... Uh, um, a need to, um, a need for, for me to like say it the way it has to be said. And I think that like, I think of the music as like another dimension, right? So lyrics are one dimension. Music is, is like melody is another dimension and production is another dimension. These are all the sort of, you know, you you bring a, a, Bring a crackling piece of snack with you. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe you could pause on that for one second. <laughs> Somebody's hungry. It's seaweed. Seaweed's really loud. Who knew? I guess. Um, can you wait, please? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this it's is okay. being a mom, right? Yep. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Don't worry about it so much. Okay. So there's these multiple dimensions that you have to work with. Um, and I think that um, I think that on some level in the past, I have felt like other people needed me to not be as sad as I felt. And I think, so I'm a, a little, this is like making me a little emotional. I think that the experience of this past four years, it's been, it was so sad. And in order to say what I need to say. It just has to be sad. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I was listening to this record, the, yeah. the newest of the records, when you sent me the three, Nothing Stays the Same. Yeah. And I sent you a little message. I really just wanted to give you a hug after listening to that <laughs> record. And it was like, there's so much emotion there. I'm sorry that you've gone yeah. through so much that makes you write that kind of song. A song like California Heat, which is obviously about the loss of a friend. Yeah. Um, that's just a lot to go through. But music I mean, you probably know this because you're a music consumer as much as you you are a player, but yeah. it can provide a service to people to make them feel less alone. Like somebody yes. else has gone through what I've gone through. Yeah. And I thank you as a, as a music listener who doesn't know how to play music that, you know, sometimes you you and, and your kind are, are writing my heart for me. Like you're, you're giving me 
validation that what I'm feeling is is not I'm not alone. Oh, thank you so, for saying that. No, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you for doing what yeah. you do. I and mean, again, it's just, we know that we're not the only ones who go through these emotions. We feel like we are at the time yeah. until we hear somebody else tell the same story in a different way. And sometimes yeah. it's more beautiful than the way I was thinking. Right. <laughs> well, and also like I think sometimes about, because sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know. I am, the nature of sort of my being is that I am a very, I'm very self-absorbed. That's, you know, just sort of my orientation of the world. Mm-hmm. But it's not, self-absorption for the purpose of like wanting to be the center of the universe it's just sort of how I absorb the experiences and so I'm always the self-absorption is for the purpose and the aim of creating connections and creating care creating compassion and empathy and um so sometimes when I like only think about the fact of how self-absorbed some of it this is (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself it's like how hard I work to be able to say some of these things that I'm like, there definitely are people out there who don't have the time or the space or the, or the skill to like figure out how to say the thing, but might have the same feeling of me of, I need somebody to understand this, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so to hear you say that, like, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Keep doing it. Cool. I will. We've talked about loss. Yeah. We've talked about being, um, influenced by Irish music. And and while you're talking about that, I'm like, I'm going to save this one for later. So now we're down to a question that's not on the sheet here. Okay. (laughs) Um, We just experienced, for me, a musical loss of one of my favorites from the 90s, Sinead O'Connor. And it made me wonder what loss hit you the most musical, like your musical hero that you lost in your lifetime. You're like, oh my gosh. So just quickly, for me, I was really like, oh my gosh, Michael Hutchins, really? In excess and and Prince. I was completely caught off guard by those two. Like those two really make me go, ah. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the first one that really caught me off guard was Nina Simone. Mm. And I had recently within the like last two years been introduced to her music when she died in 2001, uh, or thereabouts. Um, and I, I think it was the first time that I, uh, had that feeling of like, (gasps) I don't know this person, but I'm really moved. No. Well, it was more like. I never got to see them play. I never got to sit at that person's feet, you know, you know, figuratively, I guess. Do the thing I'm doing with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't expect I would ever be able to actually sit at Nita Simone's feet. I just mean, you know, be in the room uh, where the genius is, is happening. And I think it was the first time where it was like, Oh, I better make sure if I really feel like this about an artist that I do whatever I can to see them. Um, So that, that was one that really hit me hard. I think that um, even though I had gone to see Leonard Cohen, his death hit me really hard too, just because he was uh, such a huge influence. He's Leonard Cohen. Because he's Leonard Cohen, yeah, just spiritually, intellectually, and musically. Um, um, and then David Bowie hit me really hard. Um, I think that another one. we didn't one, know. We didn't know he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a weird one too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of them hit hard. Prince definitely hit hard, too. I was just caught off guard. Yeah. I remember Sudden I was at a doctor's is... office. I'm like, what? I know. Prince, what? Yeah. Not yet. That's S- not supposed to happen for another 40 years. Yeah. No. S- Sudden death is not fun. No. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank Re- you for sharing for you. Too. Sure. Reviewing. There's a new single coming out, California Heat, coming out very soon, August yep. Uh, 16th is when mm-hmm. that comes out. The 18th is the full band at the Blind Pig. song release, not quite a CD release yeah. party. Do you have <laughs> any idea when the CDs are going to be available? 
Um, well, I'm recording in September. The dates are locked in. The musicians are locked in. Um, so I'm guessing uh, with proper, you know, the marketing that's supposed to happen uh, beforehand, probably January okay. for a release. Um, same at the same time. Oh, the other one? No, the other one? You're not doing two, like, use your illusion one and two like Guns N' Roses did? <laughs> no, you know what's so strange about the other one is that I have been working on it by myself for two years, um, and I have taken it as far as it can go, and I have been looking for the next set of hands it's supposed to go in. I have an idea of who that person is now, but I'm not going to say it because I haven't even approached them. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if they will even say yes. So that, that one might be six months or a year before that one comes out. Um, okay. but it's like all the songs are written and like, like I, if I released it tomorrow, it probably would be okay. Um, but I, um, I just have this strong feeling that it's supposed to be filtered through another set of hands first. All so, you got. Yeah. So two CDs mm -hmm. or albums a book, mm -hmm. and eventually a musical. Yeah. Not much going on. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> a Blind Pig on the 18th. There's also Wheatland coming up for you on September yes. 8th. Uh, the Ark, November 4th. You're playing yeah. with... Uh, Judy Banker. Judy Banker. There you Very go. Very excited about that. And if people want to find out about this and any other newer dates that I don't have on the sheet, mm -hmm. AnnieBacon.me, yes. not .com. No, she is a wonderful illustrator in France. She's not you. She's not me. She speaks French. Just she like speaks me. French, yeah. So do you. We have a casual social media friendship because we often get tagged in each other's there we go. stuff. <laughs> what song would you like to finish with? I'm going to end with I Want to Die Like Lou Reed. Since we're talking about death again. Since we're talking about death. And why wasn't he on your list of people? I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I actually, I was shocked by his death, not by his death, but by his wife, Lori Anderson's account of his death. Because I didn't really know that much about Lou Reed. And um, actually, lately, when I've been playing this song, a lot of people have been saying, who's Lou Reed? I know. I'm like... They're 12. You have some homework to do. No, they're like 30. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. I was okay. like, you got some homework. Um, but yeah, he, he died of um, liver disease, which sounds horrible. But his moment of death, which his wife, Lori Anderson, wrote about in Rolling Stone, is an incredible account and it's absolutely the way I want to die. But I was like, how did he get to die this death? Um, and, uh, I've learned a lot about him since then in the sort of spiritual journey that he's been on. And, uh, there's a lot to learn from the path that he's been on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but this song was written before I knew that <laughs> sort of my own longing for a good death. Yeah. Are you ready? My last breath's upon me When I'm ready to lay down I want to stand up And walk outside With my lover around I want to sit in grass Open night I want to feel the sun And with Tai Chi hands I want to show Death that Who walked on his wild side Not many 
and he stands still to face the end. Hold their arms across their eyes, blocked out fading friends. I'd be him stuck like Sunday morning, afraid I'd become that evil one who thinks that everything is We can't see one another. I want Sorry, that's probably terrible for you. It's all good. Levels. Andy Bacon, <laughs> Andy Bacon <laughs> is my guest today. Has been my guest today on Acoustic mm-hmm. Alternative from Grove Studios. Please look them up if you're looking for a place to practice or do a podcast or have your DJ skills honed louder than you can do at home. Uh, I don't have their address memorized, which is strange because I've said it, you know, 120, <laughs> 180 times. Uh, com. if you want to find out more about how to sponsor or be a Patreon on my Patreon page or follow a other things that I do, whether you need a mobile disc jockey or whatever, or AnnieBacon.me <laughs> to find out about Annie Bacon, who has been my guest today. And uh, I wonder if Annie has, like I do, a list of songs that I want played at my funeral. Oh, that is such a great question. I no, do. but I'm sure if you gave me 10 minutes, I could come up with well, that Well, we don't have 10 minutes. <laughs> Tell me later. <laughs> John, thank you so much. Thank this was a really wonderful thank conversation. Thank you for the performance. It was nice to see it like, stripped down and the acoustic like this. This is a great way to experience your music. Thank and you. people can do that not at the full band show August 18th. Mm-hmm. However, I bet you're doing a solo show 
Yeah, Wheatland, yeah. Uh, Farmhouse Folk on September 28th. Oh, yeah, up, in, um, up with Jen and Eric. Yeah, up with yeah. Jen and Eric, yeah, and then the ARC on November 4th. Very cool. Yeah. Th- thanks very much, and uh, appreciate anybody listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you haven't checked out the ones with Kyle Rashi or Annie Caps mm-hmm. or anybody else that we mentioned <laughs> that I said, oh, they were a guest. Well, they were a guest because there's a whole bunch of other locals as well as national folks like Glenn Phillips of Toad the Wet's Brocket oh. and um, Willie Porter hasn't released his album that we talked about a year ago yet, but uh, he played four songs from him when he was here a year ago. So Amazing. lots to discover, and uh, thanks for being a supporter.